blessings be with you all. We are continuing the sermon series that started three weeks ago. And in the sermon series, the big idea is Jesus and Dush. That was how we was titled. This idea of where, when, as we grow in our Christian faith, we have a tendency of putting Jesus at some kind of number in order of our life and where we need him. Uh, but then we also have a tendency of adding other things. So the first Sunday we talked about, sometimes we have a tendency of saying, yes, Jesus is important, but at the same time, there's something else important. And that important thing beside Jesus could be a bit higher than where Jesus is. So the first Sunday we talked about the relationships that we have with people, relationships in our marriage and our children, relationships that we have with our friends, neighbors, and families can be, sometimes could take a higher place than Jesus, then the whole entire Christian concept that we have could be replaced by, yes, Jesus is important, but I think I need those kind of relationships in order for me to survive in life. Without it, Jesus just is not enough. So we don't really verbalize that, but then we actually, sometimes we grow to believe that. And the, the week after that with our accomplishments in terms of like uh, our, our wealth and our, our health and our well-being becomes something that allows us to say, yes, Jesus is important, but at the same time, this is what I actually cherish the most and higher than Jesus. So we say, my health, my wealth is first, then Jesus comes second. But truly, as Christians, one of the things that the Bible teaches us is that Jesus is sufficient and he's enough. But for the rest of our life, until we see him, we will continuously struggle with this concept. We will always try to put something above Jesus and say, this is important and adding Jesus to it is not a bad thing either. But my hope and the hope of the body of Christ through the word of God and through the promise of Jesus is that as Christians that we will grow to a place where we can continuously and comfortably confess that Jesus is enough. And with Jesus, there's nothing else we need. So today, we will be looking into the things that we do on a daily basis sometimes become more important than Jesus himself. And we tend to say, yes, you have to do, you have to be good in order for Jesus to be sufficient. If not, Jesus by himself is not efficient. So, as I'm starting with that, one of the things that always goes through my head and always remember when I was a kid was everyone that comes to my house, you know, they would see me and they're like, what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to do, you know? Some weeks I want to be a pilot because I see airplanes left and right. And sometimes I want to be like a zookeeper because my dad would take me to a zoo. And I see a lion and I'm like, I would love to see a lion on a daily basis, you know. And sometimes I want to be uh, like an actor or sometimes I like like the preacher that, that was in Sunday church. So I'm like, maybe I want to be a preacher, you know. There's different things that was going through my head. And all of us have had those questions before. What do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to do? And even when we grow up here in the Western world, I know you got a job, but what do you really want to do? That's not what you want to do. What is the thing that you really want to do, right? And those questions kind of rings through our ears. And some of us, because maybe some of you are very, very young, you still have time to figure out what you exactly want to do. Some of you are get to the age where you really don't have a choice to change what you want to do. So you're like, man, I'm just going to live in this regret that I cannot do what I want to do. And some of you, you look back and you say, man, I wish I did what I always wanted to do. I wish I didn't do what I'm doing now. I pray that you will be liberated by the gospel today, regardless where you are today. 
It is not what you do that defines you. It's who you are that defines you. Who you are is more important than what you do. And in this discussion is, in in our Christian walk, we have a tendency of what we do becomes very, very big. And it takes a big role in our life. We put Jesus underneath it. And we tend to grow to define ourselves and those people who are around us based on what we do. So today, here are the quick questions we're going to ask. And I, I, I pray that you will be able to just use those questions throughout the week and to be able to process where you are. First, ask this question. Do I believe my worth is connected to my accomplishments? So just to help us out with this question so that they can be ingrained in our in our mind, be able to use them this week. Do you mind repeating those questions with me? Do I believe my worth is connected to my accomplishments? So, so this week, maybe keep asking that question. Second question, you had to repeat it, but this is something you can process. Can I still, can I sit still in God's presence and feel content? Will I be able to see God and feel content? Look in myself, my sinful nature, my, the brokenness that I have. Can I look at myself in the presence of God and still feel content? And where is the line between laboring to produce work that makes you proud and knowing your value does not come from production? Let me repeat that question. Where is the line? Where is the line between laboring to produce work that makes you really proud and knowing your value does not come from production? There's got to be a really good line in between because sometimes it's good to do good work so you can be proud of yourself and what you accomplish. But there's got to be a line that cannot define, your production cannot define who you are. That's not why the Son of God died for you in the cross in order for you to be feel proud by the work that you do. Because some days you're going to do a really, really terrible job and you're going to be crushed. And finally, what's the difference between doing and being? And I think that's an important question. What's the difference between doing and being? And which one do you tend to do? Are you more like being of a kind of person or are you more like doing of a person? Today, this is where we're going to wrestle. We're going to wrestle between doing and being. We're going to wrestle between defining ourselves based on our production and feeling proud about it and between defining ourselves based on who we are. So here's where the message of the gospel liberates us from this struggle. The message of the gospel liberates us by this idea of love. The idea of love is crazy. A friend of mine was asking once, it's like love is so crazy, especially in the English language. We use the word love to express how much we care about our mother. And we use the word love to describe how much we like bacon. It's just so like, like I love bacon. It's like, I love my mom. It's like, what is, why, why are we using the same exact vocabulary to define the most meaningful thing in life and to define things that don't really, really matter a lot? And don't hate me. Some of you, bacon really matters a lot, so I'm not trying to offend you. So, but this idea of love is also a crucial thing in our Christian walk, in our Christian life. Because the idea of God loves us is where our logo mission is stated off. That we are loved beyond our understanding. So the great Christian scholar Augustine once said, A sacrament is the place where God's love is made visible. So God's love is not just a thought. It's not just an intention. 
It's not just an idea or it's not just an emotion. I'll repeat it. God's love is not just a thought. It's not only intention. God's love is not just an idea or emotion. God's love is also an action. God's love is visible and tangible. God's love is not just an idea, emotion, or thought. In sacrament, when the body of Christ is given to us, when the baptismal water is poured over us, when the word of God is spoken to us, it's God's love becoming visible to us. The invisible love of God becomes visible on a very tangible things that we touch, eat, and hear. So, if God's love is so visible, this is where Paul, once he understand that, in the letter of the, to the Philippians on the third chapter that we read today, Paul kept emphasizing this crucial concept. He's saying, oh my gosh, now I understand. God's love became visible in Jesus, and now I've been baptized into that love, and that love lives in me. I am no longer proud of my work. I'm no longer connecting my production and my identity. I am now a person who is loved by God and all my accomplishments does not matter to this love. This love has done it for me. But he was arguing to all of the, the hearers. He's saying, you're trying to compare yourself with me about doing He's like, man, I do more than you do. That's what he's saying to the Philippians. He's like, I am a Jew, the first people that was called by God. I am from the tribe of Benjamin, the Benjamin that was blessed by God. I am not just a, a follower that goes to church. I am a Pharisee. I am educated by the law of God, and I am comfortable to know all the laws of God. And he said, Oh, I'm not even married. I don't even have children. I give every minute of my day to God. Even when Christians came, I'm the one who persecuted them. He's saying, if you compare yourself to me, I'll be the only one going to heaven, not you. That's what he's telling them. But he's saying, all these accomplishments that I have is a trash. Because that has nothing to do with why God loves me. So, today, when you look at yourself in the second coming of Christ, or when you look at yourself in thinking about what kind of relationship God has for you, are you a, the person that outlines what you do? Are you a person that says, I give this much money to the church, I am really nice, my neighbors suck, but I almost, I don't want to kill them. So, I mean, that should count for something, you know. And then are you a person that outlines, I am married, I pay my bills, I look after my children. Are you the person that outlines your righteousness in the sight of God and somehow find comfort in it and say, this is what I bring to God? Or you, are you a person that say, oh my, even though I do good, it has nothing to do with my salvation. Because God loves me regardless what I've done. We're going to go back to the doing. But let's just let's first assure in how God is in love with you. Have you ever been like in a conversation with someone about a girl that has a boyfriend who you would consider in the title of the world like a loser? 
or someone who's like mean or aggressive? And have you ever been engaged in a conversation like, what is she doing with him? Right? And then everybody that you asked it asked the same question. They're like, I know. I have no idea. Women crazy. That's how people would view us in our relationship with Christ. It's almost as if like, what is Christ doing with them? They're miserable. They're sinful. They're inconsistent. They're broken. See, God's love became visible in one man. And his name is Jesus Christ. The love that we cannot understand or see became real. And that love was laid down, laid down in a manger. In a manger that is smelly and messy and miserable. God's love was revealed for you that you may see and taste how good your God is. See, God's love is visible in Christ Jesus in all the sacraments. So in the presence of God, you may not feel comfortable on your own, but find comfort in what God has done for you through Jesus Christ. And we are growing to learn not to name the things that we are. But we have a tendency to do, in doing that. I do. I came to the ministry world kind of to serve God in a church capacity when I was 17 years old. I have not left. I'm 33 years old now. Weekends, I freak out if I'm not in church. There are days where I travel elsewhere. The moment I wake up from my bed, I'm like, it's like, where am I? Why am I not in Hayward? Because I've been here forever. My brain is deeply connected with what the ministry of God has to do here at Good Shepherd. That anywhere I go, the first thing that comes to my head is why I'm not here. Yet that, that's not why I feel comfortable in the presence of God. That's not my trophy. That's not my win. That's not my pride. That's not where I become very proud in the presence of God. I find comfort in the presence of God because God has bestowed his love for me in Jesus Christ when I was miserable and lost. So my prayer is today, we grow as Christians. To absolutely find comfort in the presence of God through the work of Jesus Christ. May the words and the actions of our Lord continuously be heard in our ears and that we may live out that life so we can be secure on who we are in Christ. And that we don't continue to say, yes, Jesus is important, but you doing something good is also as important. No, it's not. Jesus by himself is important. But as we end this concept of our preaching, I'll also want to, emphasize then why do I do good why? why why am I faithful to my spouse why am I a good father why do I pay taxes why can't I just put my money in those countries that don't show America where my, my money is going why am I a faithful servant to my church why do I give my tithes why do I give money to the poor why am I a faithful citizen in the nation where everybody else is doing whatever they want. Why am I not polarized? Why am I not hating the Republicans or the Democrats? 
Why am I not hating those who oppose me? Why am I forgiving those who've done wrong to me? What's the point of that if Jesus is my ultimate hope? Well, then that's where it comes to the point where if you look at it as a doing, there's no point of it. But look at it as being. Because Jesus has entered your soul. Jesus has cleansed your sins. Because Jesus made you his own. Now you're not called to do, but you're called to be. You are called to be a Christian. A Christian is a person that Christ is dwelled in him or in her. And because he's dwelling in you, may his spirit lead you to not do, but to being. Those who are being, those who are not trusting in their doing, will definitely grow in their being. They will continuously be Christians Faithful in all the things that they are called. Not because that's the source of their salvation. But because that is the source of their identity. So. Continue to do a good work. Oh man, when you do a good work, be proud of what you do. Do it really well. Yet. Don't use that as a trophy to find comfort in the presence of God. Don't look to your neighbor around you and say, I am better than him, so I should be okay. But rather find comfort in what your Savior has done. So we're going to transition after offering to communion. And today as you come to take the body and the blood of Jesus, that's what we call in the Christian faith the sacraments. And in sacraments is where God's love became visible. So when we take the body and the blood, we are taking it and saying, Lord, the love that you have for me, I cannot see. But today it is visible in your body and blood. It was once visible in the birth of your son. It was visible on my baptism. It was visible when I heard your word today. So I am grabbing it. I'm taking a hold of it. I'm chewing it. I am swallowing it. I am letting it go to the rest of my body so my body can know that I am loved by God beyond my imagination. But also sent by God with enormous amount of purpose not to do, but to be. So when you, when you, get come, when you, when you come to this position of life where you're like, oh, I got to forgive this person. Don't, don't put a notebook out and be like, I forgive the worst person you can ever imagine. I hope God puts this in his note. No, let's not look at it that way. Do forgive this person because you are a forgiven son of God and daughter of God. When you write a check towards your offering, don't count it at this. Somehow God has a, a list of people, how much they gave you and where they are. Write it down faithfully knowing that this is who you are. You give from what you have. Not to earn your salvation, but because it was earned for you. Jesus is sufficient for you, my friends. Jesus is sufficient for your salvation. Jesus is enough for you to find comfort in the presence of God. So, how do you know you are loved by God? Look to the man who was nailed in the cross. 
How do you know you are loved by God? Look to Christ who rose from the dead. How do you know you're loved by God? Take the body and blood and let it enter your mouth and taste and see the love of God became visible today. And find comfort in Jesus, the Son of God, who is enough for you. So, what you want to do does not really matter. And I pray that you will teach your children and your nephews, your cousins, and everybody else. Tell them that they should go to school. <laughs> That'd be cool. They should get a job. But also, let's teach them. What they do is not who they are. Who they are has been accomplished in the cross through the work of Jesus. That the Son of God is sufficient. And for those of you. For those of you who look back in your life and regret every decision you made on what you did. Some of you that says, man, I wish I was not an IT. I wish I was not a truck driver. I wish I was not this. I wish I did this. I would have been more happy. Rest assured. Nothing you do in life will make you happy. Regardless how far you go on it. A lot of people that I see when, when they find out, like especially in airplanes, and I get, I, I, I get to talk to everyone I sit with in airplanes for some reason. And we get connected and uh, after like you know, an hour and a half, the obvious question comes up. Like, they're like, so, so, so what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I think everyone gets taken off. I think I, I, I'm so sorry I'm your pastor that everybody can see me and do not assume that I'm a pastor. They look at me and they're like, what happened? I'm like, nothing happened. We're flying together. What's going on? Like, what led you to that? And some of them, they kind of conclude this. If that makes you happy, why not? But then I look at myself. I'm like, well, there are some days that being a pastor does not really make me happy. I'm going to be honest with you. You see, what I do has nothing to do with my joy and happiness. What I do have nothing to do with my salvation or security in life. What you do will never find you, will place you in a comfortable place. Who you are is, and you are loved by God beyond your understanding. As we finish the sermon, would you please turn to left and right and say, you are loved by God. Just assure them to those who are around you, you are loved by God. You are truly loved by God. I want to reemphasize this word and we'll pray. Our identity is not in what we do, but in who we are as sons and daughters of Christ. So continue to do things, but that's not what defines you. But continue to be in Christ, because that's your true identity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you pray this short prayer with me? I actually wrote it so we can actually execute it correctly. Lord, if we should ever forget, and if we should ever doubt, show us your love again in visible ways. I'll repeat it. Lord, if we should ever forget, and if we should ever doubt, show us your love again in visible ways. In the name of Jesus, love incarnate, love visible. Amen.